This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. So last week we were bitching about the uh, lack of announcement by uh, Kevin Warren and the Big Ten on the schedule. Naturally, you know, this, uh, of course this would happen. The following morning, they did announce the schedule. And so here we are uh, the following Tuesday. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to offer our thoughts, record expectations, uh, and more. So this is going to be interesting. Tyler, now that the schedule has been released, what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's a tough schedule. I think, you know, we, we, we said it when it was a 12-game schedule. It was a tough schedule. We said it when it was a 10-game schedule. It was a tough schedule. And this still be, this is still a tough schedule. The only difference is we have seen the bot lose every easy game along the way. So if it comes out to a six-game schedule, oh, damn, I can't imagine how bad that's going to look. <laughs> Derek, what do you think about the schedule? Is it, is it as tough as what Tyler's making it sound? Oh sure, it's absolutely tough. Uh, but you know, it, like Tyler said, it was it was supposed to be tough to begin with. So it's it really is no different than what it, what it started out to be, other than the placement of where we're playing the teams. I mean, we were supposed to play Ohio State and Penn State from the beginning of the year, and it it didn't get changed in the ten game schedule, and it didn't get changed in the eight game schedule. So I mean, it is what it is. I guess they could have rearranged it so it could have been a little more evenly distributed. But when you're playing five top 25 teams, you're going to have a pretty tough stretch no matter what. Right. I mean, uh, for me, I guess the initial shock of it was when we saw Ohio State as the first game, right? It was like, oh, yeah, of course they're going to give us Ohio State. Then as they're releasing it, we see the second game. And it's home against Wisconsin. It's like, geez, what are they doing at us? They're going to throw, you know, they're, they're just going to give us the toughest schedule in the world, you know, set it up. But you know what? After those two games, it does lighten up a little bit, you know, getting Wisconsin or I'm sorry, Northwestern and then Penn State. Then after that, it's it's not bad. If you look at the schedule as a whole, I think we did OK. You know, you guys alluded to it. We already knew that we were going to get Ohio State and Penn State. Not a shock. You know what? It probably helps us getting some of these games early in, early in the season, like Ohio State-Wisconsin. For me, I don't think Scott Frost has this team ready to play uh, at the beginning of the season anyway. So, you know what? For a team like Wisconsin or Ohio State, where you're going to lose that game, it doesn't matter where it is on the schedule. Play that game first instead of playing, let's say, Purdue or Illinois, somebody who could probably give you fits in that opening game. You know, just get that out of the way. Go to Wisconsin. You know, maybe we learn from it from the Ohio State weapon, but uh, it's it suits well for us, I think. Uh, getting Wisconsin at home, you know, that's going to do. Uh, it's going to be huge for years to come. You know. 
Uh, we talked about it in the second iteration of the the schedule release, how huge it would be if Wisconsin was at home and they flip-flopped them in Iowa. So uh, I, I, I like that. You're you're absolutely right. It makes it makes such a huge difference for uh, like season ticket holders. Yeah, like you know, every other year you kind of had a shit schedule that where you just didn't get a lot of good games at home, and now at least you get a split Iowa and Wisconsin. Like instead of being on the road for both games every every year or every other year and then having both of them at home, like. The, the the Big Ten actually switching that around. I was a huge favor for Nebraska, on, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, look, I'm going to read this schedule off uh, for the listeners that don't have it memorized yet. But at Ohio State, home against Wisconsin, at Northwestern, home against Penn State, home Illinois, at Iowa, at Purdue, home Minnesota, and then we'll have our crossover game. I mean, we're so, we're getting Wisconsin, Penn State, and Minnesota. Probably are three of our top four toughest games are at home. That is a huge plus, guys. Huge plus. Okay. It, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, let's be real. Home field advantage isn't going to mean what it usually does. So that, that doesn't mean as much this year as it has in the past. I will agree with your guys' point that Wisconsin flipping is a feather in the cap for the future of Nebraska scheduling. And it is obviously a feather in the cap this year, but not a big deal. But I want to go to the placement of these games. I, I think it is an absolute brutal circumstance the way it played out. Um, and because there is a very real possibility, Nebraska starts one and three. And so you look at what that could do to a psyche of a team. You look at what that could do to where this team is going to be and how it's going to approach. You start one and three, it is possible that this becomes a throwaway season. And now it's going to be up for the coaches and the players and the leaders to make sure that doesn't happen. But we saw that a few years back with Mike Riley. He got off to a rough start and lost the team. Again, I think Frost is a better coach than that, but that is a scary potential what could happen. Frost did that in his first year also. He went 0-6. That was first year. The credibility is different at that point. And I, I mean, and I know Frost is the golden child and everyone besides Justin won't ever criticize, criticize him. But if he goes one and three or shit, oh, and four, because Northwestern's not a gimme game by any stretch. Uh, at, that's, I think that's bullshit. I, I think Northwestern's being way overranked. The only thing that scares me about Northwestern at this point is where it's placed between Wisconsin and Penn State. That's the only thing that worries me about with, about Northwestern. Yes, Derek, you, your your opinion on them is well known, and yet you look at where FPI has them as, as the nineteenth best team in the country, and you look at all Adam, McCl- Adam McClintock. Fucking, all the more reason to throw the FPI right out the window. Well, yeah, everything you, you, dis- three, everything you, you disagree with. Team, you put a three win team at like what number sixteen in a country or nineteen in the country? 19. Get the fuck out of sure, here! Sure, sure, everything ESPN you disagree. ESPN can e- kiss my ass. They're all you- stupid <laughs> shit. Everything you disagree, throw it out. Throw it out. The the science. You know what? Who believes science and math to come up with this stuff? Why do we need that? I mean, analytics. Shit, we don't need that. They only return the oh, most yeah. they, starters they, they in the Big everything. Ten. There's never there's never upsets because the analytics always know best. Well, I mean, it, it, there's you know there's no opinion behind these models. It is all just pure algorithms and you know and i would just love to know what's what they're basing the northwestern off of 
Other than having a stout defense, what are they basing this off of? 19 returning starters, the most in the Big Ten. Off a three-win team? All right. So so if your argument is people returning a starting year doesn't make them better, then I really worry about Nebraska because that's what we're banking on is, hey, we have five offensive I don't think that's what Nebraska's banking on at all. I think we're banking off what we've recruited. And Northwestern hasn't recruited that so way. So recruiting does not add into the algorithm for these uh, these indexes here. It, 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 recruiting doesn't matter. Again, I, I'm, I'm not saying I think Northwestern is going to be the 19th best team, but I think that the dismissal that Northwestern is going to be this garbage team in spite— I'm not saying they're going to be garbage. I just think they're—come on, 19th? Come on. That's, overrated. You can't tell me that's I, not being overrated. I, I, get, I agree. Overrated. I— I'm not disagreeing with that, but I'm just saying, if you're sitting here saying, chalk Northwestern up, they're the equivalent to South Dakota State, that, again, that is a losable game. I'm not saying we're going to lose. I'm not saying we're going to lose it. I'm just saying, like... And, And again, what scares me the most about that Northwestern game is the placement between... Wisconsin yeah, and, it's brutal. and Penn State. And, and, and that's my point. It is a brutal start to the season for the Huskers. And um, and again, I think it's going to take a Scott Frost and the leaders of this team, if it gets off to a rocky start, to get to that second half where there is a lot of upside. I mean, well, there's, two ways to, there's two ways to look at the season. If we start the season 2-2, two and two, let's just say we go there, and then there is like a possibility that 6-2 and two is in front of us. But again, Owen Owen four is a possibility, and what does that do later in the season when you should be able to rack up a few more wins? It is a possibility. One and three is a possibility. In fact, one and three is probably a likely scenario that we start off the year. Ohio State is ranked and, and, one. And it probably is, and, it, and, to, and to Tyler's point, I, I have to add this to it. It's also going to come down to how you lose those three games. Of course. You know, if you can go into Ohio State and stay within five points like the last time you did with uh, in Columbus, then that's going to give you a lot of momentum. Yeah. If you go in and play Ohio State like you did last year and lose by 60 points, yeah, it's probably not going to be a lot of momentum going on. And, and, and again, I will tell you this, and, and this is something we'll probably talk about for the next month, but one thing that I really gives me optimism about this season is I feel that this team, they know like they have put a bullseye on their backs. They, they like I feel like they have put pressure on themselves by how vocal they've been about wanting to play, about their their coach, um, you know, co- going out on a limb, getting nationally ridiculed for saying they want to play. I think you're gonna see the best Nebraska team every single week. Meanwhile, you have teams like Wisconsin who I believe have just, the last month and a half, have been mailing it in, can't, not in there. I mean, are we going to see the best Wisconsin? I, I, I get I think there's optimism there. But when you talk about the schedule and what the Big Ten did, and we could talk a little bit about this, but it, it is a brutal start that has the potential to really come back and bite us in the ass. So, which, which comes back to Justin's point and the fact that getting these teams early – could be a very good factor for Nebraska. Could be, yeah. Especially with and and don't take it lightly. I, I know everybody's kind of joking around about Wisconsin having Illinois the first week, but remember Illinois beat Wisconsin last year. Yeah, and and I and I, I know you guys remember the Nebraska Illinois game from last year. 
that was probably the hardest hitting defense we played all year long to include Ohio State. Yeah. So, so I mean, who who knows what Wisconsin is going to be in week two, and who knows how much of a dogfight they're going to be in with with Illinois. Yeah, because Nebraska's not going to be in a dogfight against Ohio State. They're, we're just, you don't, I, know, you don't that. know that. You don't know last that. Time, last time we were at Columbus, we lost by five points. Uh, I, I mean, what, 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 I haven't seen a line, but what would you guess that that line would be for that game? Well, it, it'll easily be double digits, but I don't give a shit what the line is. It's how we play. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, again, yeah, anything can happen. I, I believe when we lost by five points, I'm pretty sure it was in double digits. The line was. So it was like 17, pretty, wasn't it? 17, 18? It had to have been at least, I'm sure. Uh, and it will be again this year. It'll probably, it might even be 20 this year. Yeah, Tyler, do you think the Big Ten tried to screw Nebraska over by the schedule? I think that they... Okay, so start with the premise that we got a really tough opponent. We talked about this. Penn State and Ohio State was the most likely thing. I know people had hoped that it was going to change. That was very unlikely, and anyone who knows anything really knows that was the case. So this was going to be the eight-game schedule we were going to have. I think most people thought that. um, So that's not the Big Ten screwing us. I don't know if the Big Ten sat out in a room and twirled their mustache and said, how can we get Nebraska back? But I do think when everything was said and done— they realize how difficult of a test to start the season it is. And there was no empathy in that room to change that and make it any better for us. Had this been a Wisconsin that was in the same boat, I don't know if they would have started it off like that. I think they may have said, oh, this might be a little brutal. Let's switch it up and help Barry Alvarez. I I just think think they're aware of what they did to us, and they just didn't care. Derek, what do you think? Did the Big Ten try to screw us? Uh, I, I tend to agree with Tyler on a lot of stuff he said there. Uh, no, I, I don't think they screwed us at all. I, I don't think there was a conspiracy that the Big Ten was out to get us. Nebraska, wh- whether you guys like to admit it or not, is still a big name for whatever reason. Even though we haven't been winning, it's still a big name. And when they when they locked us in to play Penn State for six years – that was part of the reason was because we still had the big name. And so I think they came in with their agenda that they weren't going to change up those locked in games. And then they were going to keep your, your, your home game for, for the other game, which turned out to be Penn state this year. I mean, if Rutgers would have been home and Penn state would have been on a road, we'd be playing Rutgers over Penn state, but that's not the way the schedule fell this year. And it was, it, that's, that's the way the schedule originally was. It's not like uh, the big 10 came in and changed it and went, Oh, let's switch it around just so Nebraska's got to play Penn State. No, that's the way it was, and that's the way they kept everybody's schedule. They didn't change anybody's schedule as far as the crossover games go. And so I I don't think the Big Ten screwed us. The timing of the games, I mean, maybe there was a little vindication for the Big Big Ten to go, yeah, let's make sure Nebraska really has has some tough games to begin with. But even at that point, I don't don't think – like I, like I said earlier, when you're playing five out of, your, out, of eight, out of the eight teams that you're playing are ranked teams, uh, you're going to have a tough stretch, whether it's at the beginning or the end. And there's not really much of a middle when you're only playing eight games. The one thing that I would point out with this, the way the schedule is broken down is the cross-divisional games, right? 
it wasn't, you know, they, they didn't do it. Uh, there wasn't a system. Like, week one wasn't all cross-divisional. You know, they kind of, they mixed it up. I'm not going to say that it was like they're trying to screw over Nebraska, but not all teams had a cross-divisional game in week one. Nebraska drew Ohio State. and uh, But for the most part, you know, Minnesota, they had a cross-divisional game. Northwestern, and that was it. There's three teams in there with cross-divisional games in week one. Which is about half. Yeah, I mean, just, but it's interesting that they didn't try to make you know, week one, all cross-divisional or divisional. Uh, you have that, and then, you know, we have all three of our cross-divisional games within the first three weeks. You know, I'm not quite sure how that pairs with everybody else, but it's it doesn't look good on the surface. I mean, look looking at, I don't think any other team has all of theirs in the first three weeks, uh, which I just think, think is kind of interesting. Uh but I don't think they tried to screw us. But I hope, was... and I hope the te- I hope the players think that, and that's extra motivation. Like I, I really want this to be a, an exercise in like, you know, we we haven't had a bullseye on our backs in a long time, yeah. and I really and there's something about that that I think could be used as a perceived. Like there's coaches out there. Nick Saban's notorious for this. Uh, Bill Belichick's really good. Like, really great coaches are really good at, like, finding slights against your team, even if they really don't exist, and using it to motivate your team to stay focused. And and that's what I hope Scott Frost does. That's what I hope the leaders of this team do. And they, they, well, they're not playing poor me. They're playing – they think they can screw us. We'll show them. Yeah. And, and as far as that goes, I mean, like, you, you've – had every team in the Big Ten talk trash about you for wanting to play football at this point. Yeah. Like, Minnesota's been very – Minnesota and their fans and some of their players have been very open about Nebraska being too open, yeah. be, being whiners or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Iowa's the same way. Uh, the, the, only, the only one that really hasn't has been Ohio State, which is an odd love affair between the two schools – which is going to end here in about four weeks because right. when we start playing each other, we're not going to love each other. And it doesn't matter because unless it's a close game, after the game, nobody's going to love each other. If Ohio State just stomps a mud hole in us like they did last year, Nebraska's not going to love them anymore. Nah, I, Nebraska I goes in there and shock. I disagree. I, I don't. I, 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 I've, I was, been, I've been to Columbus, and I will tell you, I've been to a lot of road games in my life, even before this. That was the best I have ever been treated on the road. Is at Ohio State. I think Ohio State has always. I, I mean, that's, all, not, that's all fine and dandy till they start talking shit on Twitter. Well, Twitter's not real life. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It'll still piss you off. I, again, I I think, and that, that's where the love affair is existing right now is Twitter. Like like it or not. Well, again, I, I and, if, and I guarantee you right now, if Nebraska goes in there and finds a way to upset Ohio State. You think they're going to love Nebraska after that? No, that, that'll, no. Be, that'll be different. That that will be different. Yeah, I, I do have to correct something I said earlier. Uh, Minnesota and Maryland, they also expend both of their cross-divisional games right off the bat. What, uh, first two weeks. They play Mich- yeah, and Minnesota plays Michigan to start the year. I mean, yeah. that'll be a very – you want to talk about a game to circle because both those teams have a lot of uncertainty, in my opinion, about what's going to happen, so – yeah. Let me ask you guys this. This is what this is the thing that bothered me the most about this whole thing was 
the media spent so much time on how Nebraska had to play Ohio State, and nobody mentioned eleven and three Minnesota get getting Michigan right off the bat. Like that wasn't even hardly mentioned. Like nobody cares. Like this could be a seriously good matchup, and everybody's just kind of brushing it off to the side because Nebraska's playing Ohio State. Did they announce the, the time spot. for that game? Eleven a.m. That's an eleven o'clock game too. Yeah. No, oh no, the Minnesota game. No, 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 not the Minnesota. I, I haven't seen anything for the Ohio State or the Minnesota but, game. But we got the premier Fox spot, right? Uh, the premier Big Ten spot, which is to Derek's point, kind of shocking when you consider the fact that you know you have two really good teams from last year playing Week One. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that's going to be a great game to watch. It, Hell, I think Penn State, it re- Indiana. It, re- it really blows me away. Like I. I mean, I I don't think Minnesota's going to be near as good this year. I I've said that from the get go, but you can't you can't just knock them off their pedestal for no reason. Yeah, like they they still they're still deserving of being the eleven and three team that they were last year until they prove otherwise. Yeah. So let's talk about record expectations for Nebraska. Uh, Bet online. Dot uh, ag or whatever it is. Uh, the online sports book. They set the Nebraska win total, the over-under at five. Five games out of nine. Uh, Tyler, what are your record expectations for this Nebraska program headed into 2020? Okay, so can you clarify that for everyone listening? When you say expectations, do you mean what do I believe Nebraska needs to do to have a successful season? No, just, or... just what do you expect? I'm going to ask I mean, I, you what the minimum acceptable record to show progress here in a minute, but I just want to know I, what are your expectations for this team? You know, I, I think that you, you are looking at Nebraska probably in the 500 range going into that plus one game without knowing who that plus one game is. Um, you know, it's hard to say, but I think, you know, when you look at the East, um, you know, if we go four and four, you look at maybe an Indiana Michigan draw. I think those are tough games. I, I think you look at a four or five win season when it's all said and done. Um, maybe, you know, it could be a little bit lower, but yeah, that's kind of where I see us coming in at. So four and four headed into the cross into the week nine. Yeah, I, 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 if, if you ask me to put in that, I'd say three and a half going into the crossover game is kind of where I have us. So. Yet to be determined on my final picks, but yeah, I think we'll be about a 500 team going to that crossover. So, Derek, what are your expectations for the team? Uh, I, I tend to agree. We're probably going to be a 500 team. Uh, I, I, Tyler, I don't know that. I, I, I guess I'm confused on. I, I all I know is that we won't be playing Ohio State and Penn State because they're trying to make it so that there's no mat rematches as far as the. Not that ninth week goes. They don't want to see any rematches, which is cool. Uh, I, I guess it, I, I guess I'm with you, Tyler. It depends on who we get matched up with. But if we're four and four, I, I don't know that we're getting Michigan. Maybe I would say more like maybe Indiana or Michigan State. Yeah, uh, and, just, and if that's the case, I, I feel we could we could be a five win team. I, I just I haven't looked at everyone's schedules yet, Derek, and and. My opinion for when it was a 12-game season, 10-game season, whatever, is this is the best Big Ten West 
that there has been since Nebraska, since they've gone east and west. And I, I, I think there's going to be not, I, I don't see greatness. Like, I don't see a gap in a lot of the Big Ten West teams. So I, I, I see there being upsets or a lot of back and forth. So I think there's going to be a lot of teams around that five win, four win mark, um, three wins. I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that little bubble. I think there's going to be multiple losses like you would see a normal year in conference schedule. I don't see a, I just don't see two seven and one teams coming out of the Big Ten West. And that, I guess that's my thing. And so I think you're going to see, a, I don't even know if I see, you know, three six and two plus teams coming out of the West. So when I, when I think you're going to see a lot of five, four, three win team, I think that's kind of how you're going to see it play out. Tyler, do you have like a worst case scenario as you look at the schedule? Because you kind of alluded to the fact that Nebraska could be 0-4 given their start. Yeah, I think 2-6 and six is a possibility. Um, you know, if I look at this schedule, I think the two for sure wins are Purdue and Illinois. I think those are the two teams that are there. I think you look at Northwestern, Iowa, and Minnesota. All three of those games, I think, are basically coin flip games for Nebraska. Um, and then, so if you... if you were to say we lost every coin flip game. I think we're underdogs against Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, definitely. Um, while I don't think the gap is huge with Wisconsin and Mich- uh, Penn State, um, there is still a gap there. Derek, do you agree? Uh, I, yeah, yes, one hundred percent. I disagree. I, if if we're losing, if we're only winning two games, dude, we got a lot of soul searching to do. A lot of soul searching because we have to. I I, th- I think the bare the absolute bare minimum Nebraska can win right now is three wins, and I don't care. I, I I'm with you, Tyler. Okay, we be, we beat Purdue and we beat Illinois. That's fine. You need to come up with a third win. I don't give a shit if it's Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota. I don't care if it's Ohio State, Penn State. You need to come up with a third win. Well, now the most likely of those scenarios would probably be Northwestern, and then maybe Minnesota or Iowa. I don't know which I mean, that to me they're about equal, but you need to the, the, you like you said, Tyler. They're coin flip games. You can't lose all your coin flip games. No, you, you're you right. You can't do that. You, you're right when you look at it. Like if you just think about this from a, I'm going to go math geek here on you. If you think if you're flipping a coin three times in a row, the odds that it lands on tails three times in a row is pretty not likely. However, if you're just one coin flip, if you don't look at it, if you look at independently, like. They all could end up tails, and you know, and that's where I say two wins. It, I mean that that is worst case scenario to me. Um, you know, to your point, I do think we get at least one of those coin flips, if not two of them. But yeah, I think they're all you know to some degree toss up games. You know, fifty five to forty five percent probabilities. A true math geek would have given out the probability of three straight. Coin flips. You just mentioned it. Come on, man. So, 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 Scott, if you're listening this week, um, my my one of my best friends, he is a math professor at the Naval Academy. If uh, he he is listening this week, tweet it out. Let us know what the probabilities would be that tails hits three times in a is row. Is it twelve point five percent? Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. So, Derek, I'm going to get to you. Minimum acceptable. Uh, record of show what was, what, 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 Wait, Justin, you didn't say yours. I didn't want to uh, because it's probably not as – I mean, look, I, I have it as a range, right? I, I think we can – that Nebraska could go anywhere 
I'm just talking about the first eight games of the season before the crossover because we don't know who that team is, right? We know the first eight games. And I can see a scenario where anywhere from three to five to possibly five and three. I would probably lean uh, a three or four win team for the uh, three or four wins over the first eight games. Uh, There's probably a possibility of getting that fifth one. It would be tough. Uh, But, I mean, it, it is tough. Uh, three wins is a real possibility. I dread to think that two wins is a possibility. But you know what? If you look at it, and you know we talked about the FPI, and six of the eight teams that Nebraska faces in the first eight games, uh, six of those teams are ranked ahead of Nebraska in the FPI. Sure, FPI is kind of like voodoo computer shit, right? But the fact that the analytics are there putting those teams that high, I mean, it doesn't make them, it doesn't make that game easier, you know? There's enough evidence there to, to make it seem that those teams are going to be good. It's a solid competition. I mean, we don't have really any layups uh, this year. You know, even Illinois. Illinois, even Illinois, Illinois and Purdue Derek are talk- easiest games. Those are not layups for Nebraska no. by no means. No, absolutely not. Hell, we we talk about we we should beat Penn, Purdue, but look, we haven't beat them for the last two years. Yeah, and El- yeah. of course it's not a layup. Illinois gave us everything they had last year. I mean, that what a great game that was. Uh, and, and, and Illinois seems to be getting better. Yeah. But here's the thing: like, okay, so with everything that's been that's gone on, and Scott Frost fighting as hard as he did to to try and get football, and that's fine. I love that he did it. For you to come up and lay a turd and win two games, you're going to become the laughing stock of college football, even more so than you already are. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and you can't you can't have that. And 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 if we, if we only win two games, honestly, Scott Frost needs to start thinking about getting rid of some coaches and getting some better coaches in here. So, Derek, what is the minimum acceptable record to show progress? Last year, Nebraska went three and six in the Big Ten. I I, th- I think uh, three wins is is minimum, but that doesn't show progress. Like I could with with the way the seasons panned out and the way everything's kind of happened, I could probably survive with that three win mark. Uh, but it doesn't show progress, I'm right? Say I'm not saying let's get rid of people, but I'm still not happy. But if you want to show progress, I need to see at least four wins. That's it. that's the only thing that shows progress to me, because there's I, to me I don't care what the FPI says because it's all voodoo bullshit anyway. Uh, to to me, you've out recruited all, all the teams in the West. You've out recruited all of them. So you need to beat Illinois, Purdue, and I, I know it's in a tough spot, but I think you need to beat Northwestern. You have way better talent than they have. They always play you tough, and that's fine. But you still need to win the game. You need to start learning how to win these tough games. You need to learn how to close out the games, which is something we haven't done the last two years. So if you want to show me progress, win those three games and beat either Iowa or Minnesota. Because both of those, Iowa, the only reason they beat you the last two years is because of bad play calling towards the end of the game where you end up letting them go for a last-second field goal because you couldn't either get a stop or because you couldn't run the clock out to go to overtime. Uh, Minnesota, every time they come to Lincoln, you've owned them. So own them, again, like you usually do when they're in Lincoln. Yeah. So, uh, th- th- and that's my whole thing. Like, okay, you want to show progress? 
at least beat four of these teams because you've out recruited all of them. But so at least win four. So just to recap here, you would still be okay with a three win season. I, I would not be. I will. I won't be calling for coaches' heads at that point. No assistants need to go after the three win, three and six. I, no, I mean well. It, it's borderline because it kind of depends on how you're losing yeah. the, th- the five games that you're losing. If you're just getting destroyed, then yeah, it's time to start looking other directions. If you can at least keep it close like we did in year one with most of those teams, then I'm going, okay. Well, there was some progress shown. Yeah. But, your your three is a different story. But it's not enough. Your three is a different story. Tyler, uh, what is your minimum acceptable record to show progress? So, So I think this is a very tough question. So... If you asked me when the original schedule came out, I would have said we need to get to 6-6. Six and six. When, when that 12-game schedule was out there, I think that was, hey, we had to get to 6-6. Six and six. We have to make a bowl this year. And as the schedule has evolved, we, we basically have lost four of the five easiest games on our schedule. And you know, even after the 10-game, in my opinion, you lost Michigan State and Rutgers, and those were two of the three easiest games on the schedule. So I say this to say, I agree with Derek. I think three wins is the minimum. I I think year three, you do not want to be talking about moral victories. You really don't want to be talking about that. However, um, we have made some missteps under the Scott Frost regime. I'm not going to you know, discount that. And that puts us in a position through year three, moral victories are very much still in play. Year four, that's dead. Like, I'm not talking about moral victories year four, but year three, that's still in play um, because I'm giving him a little bit more of a leash than I'd give a normal coach. I, I think it really depends on how we lose these games. I I, I don't want to see another Ohio State last year. I, I can't see us not be competitive. We should be competitive. This team has the talent. This is year three. We should be getting better. But you go back to the FPI. We have five games against top 20 teams. So let's just leave out home and away and everything else. We could be, if that was 100% accurate, the 21st best team in the country, okay, and still lose five games because we're playing five top 20 teams. So when I look at this team, I, I don't know if we're a top 15 team in the country. And, you know, I don't know, I don't think we're a top 15 team in the country yet. And so when we're not there, then it's like, okay, I mean, we could be really good and still lose to Northwestern, lose to Iowa, lose to Minnesota. But we have to be competitive. We have to show that we belong against these games. And even against these top 10 type teams in Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State, like, if we're a top 25 team, which is where I think we should be, we can't be getting steamrolled by three touchdowns, specifically when home field advantage isn't really existing this year. Like, we're not going to Ohio State with 100,000 people. That's not the game we're going into. It's a neutral, it's a, it's a bare stadium. It's on the road. I, I, we got to be competitive in those games. Yeah. I'm, I, I think for a minimum acceptable record show progress, it's four and four for me. You got to get four wins headed into that ninth game. We don't know who that team is, but if you if you roll in at four and four, it's likely you're going to play Michigan or Indiana. 
Uh, Indiana should be winnable. Michigan may be a little bit tougher. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is winnable, but for- Michigan might be the 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 toughest team in the Big Ten to gauge right now. They always are. With all the turmoil. Yeah. But with all the turmoil though, like they had uh, Dylan McCaffrey decide to opt out and transfer. They've had other a lot yeah. of other players decide to opt out. So I don't know what Michigan's going to be. Shit, my- it's, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same with Penn State. Like I know they've had a lot of players opt out too, to include Micah Parsons. And I don't know for a hundred percent sure that he's coming back yet. Yeah, Michigan last year, I had them pegged as going undefeated. I was really high on Michigan last year, and they let me down big time. I don't. I mean, I'm certainly open that they could be disappointing again this year, but. You know, you never have a good beat on what Jim Harbaugh does with his team, right? And so anytime that you do discount them, they do exceed expectations. It's it's crazy what Michigan does. But uh, well, and, and, and you talk about this. I just want to like I and I've talked about this at length, but you know, the the last five weeks, there's been so much uncertainty. Would there be a season? Would there not be a season? But teams have had the opportunity to practice to some degree, 12 hours a week. You know, they, they've had opportunity to have strength and conditioning. The teams, I think that we don't know this, but the teams that took better advantage of that have a really opportunity to stand out come October 24th and the rest of the fall. Because I think that you look at this and say, hey, you really, you know, you might have an extra couple, you know, you average it out. That could be a couple weeks head start practice against some of these teams. It, it could be a big difference in a game like Wisconsin. I point to that one specifically that, hey, a month ago, I thought that game, there was no shot Nebraska had to win. Not saying we're going to win, but there's a lot better shot today. Um, I, and I also think the other thing we talk about minimum expectations is there is a real possibility that Nebraska doesn't play eight games. Yeah. I mean, there's a real possibility that we play six games this fall. And, you know, God forbid the two games we don't play are Purdue and Illinois. I mean, you know, I, I just, I, there, I almost, it sucks to say this, and you don't want to give anyone a pass in life and no one a pass coaching, but this season is just so messed up that to some degree, like, I feel like it's just, it's a free pass for everyone. Like it's just yeah. it's gonna be a free pass for all of these coaches and well, not only the coaches but the players. Hell, the, the NCAA is not gonna take away eligibility for playing this year. So I mean, it it's, it, it really kind of is just a complete free pass of a season. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is you know maybe we're like setting ourselves up as like really bad football in the Big Ten. You take Nebraska for instance. You know, Nebraska had like two practices in the spring. Uh, before football was canceled, and they didn't even get to practice in full pads. Fast forward to the fall. Before play was suspended, they never got into full pads, right? So here we are. Uh, we're not uh, – Big Ten's not allowed to practice in pads till September 30th or October 1st, whatever it is. So you have all that time. Tackling it could be a huge issue in the Big Ten. This could be one of the worst defensive uh, defenses in the conference. You know, conference wide defenses could be really bad. Could anybody tackle? You know, uh, is three weeks good enough to get all that stuff in? Especially when you've been away for football for nine, ten months. You know, that's 
That's huge right there, right? That could be some very bad football that we're getting ready to see here with that huge layoff. I don't know. Do you guys think that? It could be. It, it, it's going to be. It's it just. It's going to be an X factor in this whole thing. You know, you go back to that negativity. Negativity, but you also had guys like Omar Manning and uh, Marcus Fleming and a lot of these incoming guys who basically got an extra month to learn the playbook. Now, again, who knows how much they were studying, and and we don't know this, but every team had this advantage to get some of these younger guys up to speed um, a little bit quicker than they maybe normally would. I mean, it's going to be, it is just, it is so unprecedented. Like, everything you think you know about college football, I just think is out the window this year because it's just, it's so different. It's so different than we've ever seen. So, so let me guys, let me ask you guys this question. And I, so, with the with the eligibility being thrown out the window, and nobody's going to lose a year of eligibility as a head coach, and you know you're probably not going to win a lot of games. So, I, we'll just say, in, even in the Scott Frost system here, do do you just go ahead and start starting a lot of younger kids, or do you stick with the seniors? Just or I mean. Because if you play the younger kids, you're at least getting them experience, right? And then you can still bring your seniors back next year. No, I, I, I definitely, th- I, I definitely think that the a, a, a name that I'll throw is like a Marcus Fleming. Like a Marcus Fleming is a high recruit wide receiver. Um, in my opinion, he was probably seventh or eighth amongst wide receivers. I don't think you would have seen him, and he, I think he would have redshirted. Now I I don't know how many snaps he'll play each game, but I would not be shocked to see him play five, six, seven games and get some snaps in all those games because why the hell not? Exactly, because you I mean you're still essentially redshirting anyway. Yeah, and, and and so I and what does that do for the future of Nebraska? And hey, maybe the fact that you know a guy like Ramir Johnson last year, okay, Ramir Johnson only played four games. And he had a pretty good game against uh, he had a pretty good game Maryland. against Maryland. And maybe if this circumstance would be different, he would have got a couple carries, got some snaps in there, built a little bit of momentum, and towards the end of the year, actually been a contributor. A Luke McCaffrey comes to mind. You know, we had to be very cautious about how we used him last year. You know, if if I, I you know, let's just say uh, um, C.J. Scott, that, that's his name, right? Uh, this what the fuck's that running Mar- back's name? Mar- Marvin Scott. Marvin Scott. Got it. Sorry, uh, Marvin Scott. Maybe <laughs> he's a guy that wouldn't have played a lot this year, but maybe the coaches are like, "Hey, we'll get this guy a couple carries," and then by week four, it builds the six or seven carries, and he gets some momentum where he wouldn't have seen that. So, I I think what Derek talks about recruiting, what Nebraska has done, I think this plays in our favor to get some of these young guys on the field now, and maybe by the end of the year, come the Iowa game. The, the, these guys are ready to be real contributors. Yeah, but Nebraska doesn't have that loan advantage. Every team's going to have that advantage. No, I, I understand everybody has that loan advantage, and that's why I say as as a, as a whole, I use Nebraska as an example, but every team could do it because nobody's losing the eligibility. So if you're a mid-tier team that's not expecting to win a lot, why not get all those young kids in and play? Because you can still bring your seniors back. But you still have- I'm not saying you don't still play your seniors, but – what I'm saying is you, I, I'm giving the young kids a lot more experience this year because we're not expecting to win much anyway. 
Oh, so it's only eight games. Oh, I see what you're saying, Derek. So I, I completely disagree. I think in a year like this, especially for Scott Frost, I think you got to put the best players on the field. And if the opportunity arises where you can play some of these younger players that may not be as polished as some of these uh, senior guys, you have to go for the win. Hopefully, this year allows for. Uh, you know, the substitutions to come in a little bit more freely and not have to worry about, you know, a four game. But you have to get to that point, though. I mean, I, I just don't want to see some of these younger guys playing just for the sake of playing if we're in a dogfight. you got to get the wins. You have to rack up the wins. Well, I, I don't want to treat you can't, in the game. You can't treat I mean, this as a throwaway year. Just because it doesn't matter on eligibility – Winnings is still very important. This is not a throwaway year where, you know, going two and six headed into the final game is acceptable. You still have to get up there and you still have to put on points. You're not building for anything except now. Now is the time to win. So, yeah, I, I disagree and, with that. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, too. And, and I feel like we might be coming off a little bit negative on this team. Man, I'll tell you, like. It, this is a as hard a team to gauge as I have seen in recent years at Nebraska because there's just so much X factors. And and I'll point to one example, Omar Manning. You know, Omar Manning, if he ended up averaging 80-plus yards receiving a game, that would not shock me. It also wouldn't shock me if he averaged 40 yards a game. Like, I, I, I just, he is like, we have all these guys that are just huge huge X factors right now on this roster. But but you and, but you also and I think and, that and I've, they could I've hit. been a I've been a huge Omar Manning fan. But you also have to you have to say that it would not shock you if he doesn't hardly play at all. Like the way that the JUCO the way the way the JUCOs have panned out under Scott Frost, it would not shock me whatsoever if this guy doesn't hardly play at all. Yeah, but he is he's in a different league than the Mike really? Williams. Yes. He he not is really Jerome Woodyard was the fastest player that was ever going to be on this team. But that, but that's Mike it. That's, Williams was like the best, one of the best wide receivers. Greg Bell was the best running back coming out of JUCO, and he played in two games and transferred. Wait, well, he played in. I mean, okay. Will Honus was the best linebacker coming out of JUCO. He got injured. He got injured his first year, and he's a starter now. I mean, Derek, your point is that we've had JUCOs miss. Greg Bell was playing and then wasn't contributing. Omar Manning is a was a better prospect than Mike Williams, Javon Woodyard, Will Honus, Greg Bell. He's better than all of those guys from a prospect standpoint. True. That's true. So, and, and so, yes, is he a slam dunk All American this year? No, I obviously do not believe that. But it would be shocking to me if. Maybe not a starter, but it would be shocking to me if he is not playing significant snaps this fall. Now, his output is a whole different subject. We don't know that, man. I mean, we don't know, is he an All-American? Is he a barely a starter? Is he a backup? We don't know that, but the upside is there. Well, and again, I, and I will stand by this till he proves me wrong, his size is his biggest factor. The dude's huge. And he's going to cause a lot of problems for any cornerback who's sitting here at 5'10". And he's sitting here at 6'4". Like, you could throw any 50-50 ball up to him, and he damn sure better be able to go up and get it at 6'4". So with his size, if he's not a force 
if he's not serviceable come uh, October 24th, then we got some issues on this coaching staff. I mean, there's this guy should be game ready by October 24th. But but it's not just him. You look at Alante Brown. Alante Brown's another I like, guy. Yeah. I think he yeah, early enrolling like him a lot. And, and you you know you look at on the defensive side. I mean, we've brought in a lot of good guys. We just brought in uh, Nabib Joseph, another really high JUCO. Can he get? Tra- I just the, I just my my whole point is like this schedule is very daunting to me, and and it but it is not a. Uh, you know, it is not a down on what I think this team could be because the talent is there and the talent is getting in the right direction. That's why I see a lot of dogfights against some really, really good teams. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about FPI here, Tyler, for a second. We, we kind of uh, talked about this a little bit, but I just want to talk about how powerful and how good the Big Ten is this year by FPI standards. Uh, it is very interesting on how some of these have come about. But, for instance, uh, Ohio State. Ohio State is the number one overall FPI. Not a surprise. But what is a surprise? Wisconsin comes in at number four. Penn State, not surprising. They're at number six. Uh, Michigan, they're number 15. Indiana, 18, Northwestern, 19, Iowa, 20, Minnesota, 23, Nebraska, 30. And I think I've scrolled down here. Uh, Purdue, 47, Illinois, 48. I didn't scroll far enough to get Ruggers, but or Ruggers is 64. <laughs> but, I mean, what do you think of these teams here? Well, I mean, so j- just what you said is the Big Ten has six of the 20 best teams in college football. Okay, so that that is amazing right there. Let's talk about what the big Nebraska has to deal with. You know, we, we play three top ten teams in the FPI, three of the top six teams in the country. Now, my opinion, I think both Wisconsin and Penn State are probably a little bit high. I don't know if I see them as four and six, but I, I would buy that they're both top ten teams. Um you know, Northwestern, I know Derek thinks that they're definitely high. And I think they're maybe a little bit high, but I definitely think they're a caliber of a top 25 team. Um, and I guess, and I've been saying this, the Big Ten West is the best I've ever seen it. And I, I just think that goes to what Nebraska is going to be dealing with this fall is this This is not a normal year on so many accounts, but I, I just don't know if I've ever seen a tougher schedule than Nebraska's had a phase. And we it's going to be daunting. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. So one of the things with the FPI that is interesting is, you know, they break it down, uh, you know, the six win percentage, the win division, win conference and playoff, make national championship. For Nebraska, there's a 2.8% chance that Nebraska gets to six wins this year. Uh, there is a 0.7 chance, according to FPI, that Nebraska even wins the division. A lot lower than what I thought, and then it's 0% chance for anything beyond that. Uh, I, I find that fascinating, especially the six wins. Uh, I meant to bring this up a little bit earlier when we were talking about the bet online uh, win total of five. If you had to bet that, you know, Vegas is saying five games is the uh, over-under for Nebraska win total. Derek, what are you betting? 
If you had to bet it. Well, okay. All right. If I have to bet it, and it's including the, the ninth game, Correct. right? All right. Then I'm betting the under. Just because I think that five wins is probably most – four or five wins is probably most likely, which gives me either a push or under. And so I, I, I'm betting the under because I like my money and I don't want to lose it. I, I don't. I think there's a better chance in Nebraska getting to six wins than the two percent chance that they're giving us. But because if we go five and three in the regular season, I think there's a good chance we could win that ninth game. But at the end of the day, we'd have to go five and three. Yeah. Tyler, what do you what do you think? What are you betting there? I, I I'd go under. But let me just say this: if if we hit five wins, let's say we push that bet. Guys, get on board the hype train going in 2021. Because if we can go five and four, and I know that doesn't sound impressive, but if we go five and four this year with this schedule, I mean, we're returning. Everyone's going to be returning a lot next year because of the way the eligibility is going to work. But Nebraska in particular, you get a little bit lighter schedule in there next year in 2021. I mean, the, the. How do you figure? Our schedule is not lighter next year. We got Oklahoma on the road. We have Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State next year. Okay, Michigan State is not what they were four years ago. Well, we don't, we don't know what they're going to be. They got a new okay. coach. We don't know what they're going to be. Okay, if I buy in stock, if, if there was a stock sale in Michigan, well, I'm at, selling. At any rate, State. we're still going to have Ohio State and Michigan. Like That's essentially the same schedule we have this year. Well, I think Only Michigan, instead of Michigan, we have Penn State. And I think Penn State's better than Michigan. Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm with Tyler. You know, my expectation or minimum expect, acceptable record is four and four. You know, maybe we get four and five. But if we go five and four, if we win that final game, yeah, I, I tell you what, you might just okay. see this little, uh, you know, this grumpy guy here. You, you might see me become full optimistic like I used to be. Five and four is yeah, that, exceptional. That's, that's fine. I'm not. It is exceptional. I'm not saying that's a, that I wouldn't be hyped for the next season. But for you to sit here and say the schedule gets easier next year is absurd. Well, it gets easier if you've already proven that you can win at that level. If you can put a five-win spot with this schedule this year, headed in next year, next year doesn't seem nearly as challenging. So, so what? 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 Let me let me ask you this: What happens if we win five wins? We go. Let's say we go five and three. I'm not even going to talk about the. The ninth game, so we don't know who that's going to be against. Let's say we go five and three, and we, so we beat Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois, and Purdue, but we get mud stomped against Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Are you still going to feel that optimistic? Yeah. Because we finally, I don't think we will. finally beat the teams I, that I we're I supposed don't to that win. For a second. We finally beat Tyler. I think will be optimistic. Justin, I don't believe. No, it, I, I mean, I, I will tell you. I, I think if we get mud stomped, that, that that goes back to what I said about the season and how I, I think we got to get past the getting mud stomped phase. But to Justin's point, if, if we like the problem right now is this year, I think there is a batch. Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota, us, right there. And and we're all trying to bid who's going to be that number two team in the Big Ten West. And and it could be Nebraska, it could be Minnesota, it could be any of those four teams. If we can prove that we are that number two team, like, again, going into next year, I, I don't... 
I don't know what the future of Michigan football is. I, I, I have a lot of doubts right now. I think Harbaugh's pissed. I think NFL teams would love to have him back. I think, you know, I don't know what's going on there. They have, they've had such a high turnover rate of roster. I, I don't know what Michigan's future is, but I don't buy them as much as Mich- uh, Penn State. Yes, Ohio State's going to be tough. Yes, Oklahoma is going to be tough. But if, if we went, I'm going to tell you this right now, if we go 5-4 and four this year, I am predicting a 10-win season a victory going into 2021. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think that it, because again, I think that's in front of us. And that that's where the season is. It, it's a really big year in where we're going to be in the future couple of years. Can can we get to this Big Ten title contender year five? And you know can what? we do that? And you know what, Tyler? Let's say we go five and four. We enter the bowl season and we win that bowl game. Yeah. You know, whoever we draw in the bowl game, my God, of course we're going to be super high. And I can't wait for that. Yeah, and I think it's there. I think it's in front of us. I, I'm not betting it. I'm not I'm not predicting it. But I, I see, I could see that path that is out there. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our games of the week segment. Last week, Derek, you went four and one. Uh, me and Tyler went three and two. Uh, the Baylor Houston game was canceled. So. We only had five games instead of the uh, six that we picked. Uh, let's get the first one, Kentucky at Auburn. This is a top 25 matchup. Uh, Auburn is now a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Derek, what do you think? Well, you know, it, it concerns me a little bit that the, the line has moved that much because it was ten-and-a-half for Auburn. Yesterday. And so, and so it concerns me a little bit that it's moved that much. But for, as always, we go straight up. I don't see Kentucky being able to beat Auburn. Auburn probably wins this game. Not probably. I, I think Auburn definitely wins this game. I, I, it may be a closer game than what I'm thinking, but I, Auburn definitely wins it for sure. All right, uh, Tyler? You know, it's interesting because Kentucky was kind of a team I didn't know a lot about. So I read my Phil Steele. I read my pick six preview on them. And both of those had Kentucky as one of the top five offensive lines in the country. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're both really high on Kentucky. However, I, don't, I, I think Bo Nix um, and, and the Auburn offense is enough to overcome that. So I'm going to go Auburn. Um, but I could see this being a pretty close game. Trivia question: Who's the quarterback for Kentucky? Oh God, damn. Terry. Terry Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, man. I can't. Uh, one time the, former the, Nebraska. The, the, one, yeah. the one thing I will say for the one thing I will say for Kentucky is that they're the one of the few teams out there that are used to playing in front of no fans. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, I, I, uh, when I saw that about Terry Wilson, I was like, God dang, that guy's still in football. It just seems so long ago that he was a Nebraska recruit, right? I mean, because we've gone through like six coaches since then. But I think. yeah, I mean, was was that uh, was that Mike Riley's first year? That Terry Wilson yeah, I was think it so. his first I think year? It My goodness, it might, it might have been his second year. It it, I, I want to say he was a commit with Patrick O'Brien at uh, one. That's point. what I thought too. And, and so that would and be they, his second year. Yeah. Okay. So I want to say that's what it was, but yeah. Amazing. All right. Uh, another. Uh, Who'd you? Who'd you go oh, with, Oh, shoot, Justin? I'm sorry. I wrote it down, but I did not say it. I got Auburn also. It is kind of troubling seeing that that line has dropped three points from yesterday. So I don't know. Did 
I didn't see anything, but did they announce that somebody is out for Auburn to cause that kind of drop? That is a little bit concerning, uh, but uh, I think ultimately Auburn will get it done. Uh, another top 25 matchup here, Louisville at Pitt. Uh, Pitt is three-point favorites. Derek? I, 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 I'm not buying into the Pitt yet. Like I just can't see him doing it. I think Louisville's still a good team. I know they kind of got beat by Miami last week, and Miami really looked really good in that game. So I, I'm not faulting Louisville for that. I definitely think Louisville's a better team. I I think they win. I think they win fairly big in this game. Okay. Uh, Tyler? Well, you mentioned the Miami game with Louisville. Louisville actually outgained Miami in that game. And, and it was really the difference in that game was the three turnovers by Louisville. Um, you know, they, they turned the ball over. They caused them to lose the game. Pitt barely won against Syracuse uh, their last game, uh, opening week. Um, I, you know, I do, I'm a little worried. Uh, um, I, I, I am worried it gets on the road at Pitt. Um, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm going to go Louisville like Derek. Yeah, that's, uh, we're all the same through two games. I have Louisville also. Uh, for some reason, I'm still liking Louisville. I, I don't know why. Even after their loss against Miami last week, I just thought Louisville. I mean, they still looked good out there. Uh, wasn't impressed with that, Pitt. that. Was this was probably the toughest game for me to predict, yeah. though. This, this this was tough. There, there, there's some more <laughs> tough games here coming up. A, another uh, top twenty-five matchup here. Uh, this is uh, me and Derek's uh, off-season team right here. Army at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's fourteen-point favorites. Derek. Army all the way, baby. I'm picking Straight it. up? Upset. Really? Straight up. They're winning. They're winning this game. Look, they've only given up seven points in two games. Their defense is stout. And not only is their defense stout, but they run that same damn offense where you just don't let the other team have the ball. I, You remember, Tyler, you're kind of scoffing at me here. Remember, last year Army took Michigan to the damn wire and took them into overtime. And if they could do that against Michigan, I think they can beat Cincinnati. I'm still not sold on Cincinnati. I don't think they're the team that everybody thinks they are. They did that to Oklahoma, and, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, Army is a damn good team, and I, I their defense is impressive. Yeah. And I they only, they've, they're only averaging 192 yards on defense. Like, they're only giving 192 yards a game. And I understand they haven't played anybody quite the caliber that you want to say Cincinnati is, but... I I do. I think so. I think Army can win this game. Tyler? So I thought I was the low one on Cincinnati. I mean, all the offseason I heard when Nebraska was playing them, watch out for Cincinnati, that they could be a team that would be reckoned with against the Huskers, and I didn't buy it. But And, Derek, you're right. Um, you know, Army, you know, out of the scores of the last two games, 79-7 to over the last two games. 836 yards versus 384 yards. Army's been dominant, but I, I'm going to go to the edge of Cincinnati. You talk about a dominant defense. I mean, Cincinnati's returning nine starters against with the ninth best defense last year. I, I think, well, I don't think Cincinnati is a playoff contender. I think they have enough to get over Army. It's going to be a tight game. I like Army to cover, but I'm going to go Cincinnati with the win. Yeah, this is this is a. Tough game for me to pick because I'm damn sure rooting for Army. Uh, one thing about Army is everybody knows that they're running the ball. They're going to run the ball. 
and nobody can stop it. They're just going to run over you with those undersized linemen and, you know, those receivers that can block. I mean, they're just they're going to take it to you. However, I'm, I think Cincinnati is going to pull this one out in a uh, very close one. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, just like all my picks last week. So, uh, but I'm right. I'm writing me down for Cincinnati. Uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is eight point favorites in this one, Derek. All right, I'm going with the upset again. Oklahoma State did not impress me when they played Tulsa last weekend. They looked like complete garbage. Uh, West Virginia's got one game under their belt, and they won 56-10. to 10 against, It was against Eastern Kentucky. But I don't know if Eastern Kentucky is that much worse than Tulsa. And you know what? So far between the two teams, West Virginia's looked a lot better. Plus, West Virginia's got a, a week off to kind of recover from their game, where was, uh, Oklahoma State had to come back from this dogfight against Tulsa, and now they're going to have to come back again. I think I think West Virginia pulls the upset here. Tyler? I'm going to go Oklahoma State, and I'm going to be honest. I'm, I, I don't know a lot. I, I looked up the game against Tulsa. There was three quarterbacks that took snaps with Oklahoma State. I really don't know what the hell happened in that game. Like, did people get hurt? Did they just rotate? The quarterback I, I, got hurt. I don't know how serious it was, but I know he left before halftime to go get checked out. So, but but I mean, you you look at the playmakers that Oklahoma State has in Chuba Hubbard, Taiwan Wallace. Um, even with that, they both had over ninety yards against Tulsa. I think those two guys are all American type cat players. Um, I'm not ready to sell my Oklahoma State stock. I'm, I'm going to get them in the victory this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Chuba Hubbard, you know th- that dude right there. He's a preseason Heisman candidate right there. He's a beast. He didn't have a great game last week. Oklahoma State looked very bad against Tulsa. It was like upset alert, kind of like on par for the rest of the Big 12 teams so far this year. But I can't see that Mike Gundy is going to have this team ill-prepared this week. I'm going to chalk it up to first game jitterbugs there, and I'm going to give them a mulligan. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State here. All right, next game, Florida State at Miami. Miami is 11.5-point favorites, Derek. All right, I, I got I to tell you, uh, Justin, you're going to scoff at me. Tyler, you're probably going to agree with me on this. I, after seeing two games from Miami, I'm kind of buying them. Like they're, they're starting to look like the real deal. These guys have a great defense. They turn the ball over a lot. They, uh, their offense is tough to stop. Uh, I, I don't know that they're national title contenders. I'm not buying them quite that much yet. But I think they can give Notre Dame a run for the money for that second spot in the ACC title game at this point. And so I in Florida State, you lost to Georgia Tech. You lost all respect for me. So it's Miami all the way. Tyler? Miami all the way. Derek said it. I am, however, scoffing at you. Miami is not in that class yet. Um, I, I don't. I just don't see there in Garrett the upper. King is a possible Heisman contender. Great, that good dude, quarterback. That dude's, I, that dude's special. Again, again, I, you know, if you want to talk about Miami as, you know, they're going to win seventy five percent of their games. I buy that. I think they're a good team. Um, I, I get. It. I think they're a good team. I, I I think this is a really good uptick in where Miami has been. I like where they're heading. 
but I, I think that where you have them is probably, uh, you know, they're a weight class below that at this point. So I'm gonna, but I'm, Miami's going to win this game, I think, handily. Why, why don't you think they could be? Who, who do you think in the ACC is that much tougher than Miami right now? I, I would say North Carolina and uh, North Carolina, and North Carolina Clemson, and North Those three, they are as overrated as Northwestern. Those are the three teams. I think that Miami's the fourth best team in that conference, um, which is nice. It's, it's it's a good spot for them because that's not where they've been over recent years. So I, again, I'm not disparagingly talking about them, but I think they're they're just they're they're probably a year away from getting back there. But I like Derek King. I like this defense. I like a lot about them. They're just I just I don't think they're as high as you. But FSU sucks. They're a garbage fire. I I can't believe FSU has been this bad for this long. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about Nebraska, how long we've been down. But, I mean, you, you brought in a great coach. Yeah, absolutely. Stolen from Memphis. Coach. Yeah. Stolen from Memphis. And, and it just, you know, Willie Taggart was a, I mean, you know, he, I mean, not a great coach. But, I mean, Willie but, but, Taggart but look, could that, But they're doing nothing. the same. Here, here's the problem. They're doing the same thing Nebraska did. And they're going through coaches like I go through underwear. Yeah. And, and it's not a, it's not a way to build a team. I, I hate to tell all you colleges out there, but firing coaches isn't the way to fix your program anymore. No. So I'm, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit here when I give this out here. But uh, Mike Norvell, everybody loves Mike Norvell. What he did at Memphis was amazing, right? Coming to Florida State, not having good luck so far. You know, they looked pretty bad against uh, Georgia Tech. Well, Mike Norvell, uh, he's got the COVID. He's got the COVID. He's not going to be coaching this game. Miami, Miami, everything that you guys said, Manny Diaz, I didn't think that guy was going to be worth a shit when Miami hired well, I thought, him. I thought he was the worst hire since probably Willie Taggart. Yeah, but they're, they're offensive coordinator, and the name escapes me. I had they're, it. But they're looking good. Uh, the, the way that they run their offense, they're so fast-paced. Uh, Derek King, what he's doing there at quarterback, the weapons that they have around him. The offense, I mean, the defense is doing their job. I love Miami. I mean, to quote Tyler's brother, Todd, I, I, I love Miami. <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding. I think Derek King, well, I don't think he'll win the Heisman because of the record of Miami because they will lose a few games. I, I think he will be in, he'll be in New York, I, I believe. Yeah. I truly believe he'll be in New York. But. Yeah, I, I like Miami. You know, that, that line is 11 and a half. But uh, last game that we're going to talk about right here, Tennessee at South Carolina. South Carolina, they're getting three and a half points. So, Derek, it's up to you. All right. I, I, again, we have nothing to go off on these SEC games. So I, I got I to gotta tell uh, the, South, the South Kakalaki boys over there, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't know that South Carolina's really done a whole lot, and Tennessee has recruited very well. Uh, so I think I think Tennessee has way more talent than South Carolina. So I'm going to base it strictly off that and say Tennessee comes out with this win. Tyler, well, it's not just how they've recruited. I mean, the fact is they won the last six games. They returned 17 starters. Last year they beat South Carolina 41 to 21. It was in Tennessee, so but I, I think that you look at what Tennessee has. I like where Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, you want to talk about coach, you talked about Manny, uh, Manny Diaz uh, being wrong on him. Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, 
I didn't see this coming. I didn't think he was going to do this. Well, yeah, he's he he is essentially the Bill Callahan of Tennessee. Yeah, he's like their fourth choice before and, they and finally they, hired him. And we'll, and we'll see what he does long term. But man, he's recruited well. He had that team playing well at the end of the last year. I I, I like Tennessee in this game. Not even that close. Yeah, I. You know what? I don't have a good beat on this game at all. Uh, I'm just going to go root for the one that the uncles and cousins are rooting for here with South Carolina. I don't have a reason why. Okay. Hey, go Gamecocks. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, game. it's just I, – I, I'm with you. I hope I'm wrong because I think Tennessee is a, like among some of my favorite teams just to root against. I think they are just a fun team just to troll. Yeah, they are. I will never root for a team that wears orange or purple. Those two colors just fucking make me gay. Yeah, well, well, I'm, you know, what I am impressed of with Tennessee is Jimmy Pruitt and the offseason success that they've had in recruiting. It's truly remarkable. Them and Mac Brown, they're just like stepping up their game in the recruiting world. And, you know, I'm hoping that it doesn't pan out to where those two teams are powers because I don't like rooting for Tennessee. I mean, there's nothing I've ever liked about Tennessee. I giggle when they uh, when they lose and when they struggle. So I don't want to see anything good happen to them. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to root for South Carolina since I have a good beat. I'm I'm taking South Carolina too. All right, let's get to our best bet segment. Uh, we started off the year really shitty last week. Uh, I know I missed my best bet. I had Tulane. Uh, I had Tulane minus seven, and they were up on Navy. Uh, 24-0 at halftime. I left the house to go run some errands. And while I was out and about, I saw that Navy had tied it up. Like, what in the hell happened? So I'm rooting for overtime. Of course, Navy, they win it in overtime. So I missed out. Derek, how did your best bet go last week? You know, it started off looking horrendous. Like, I picked the over on Miami. Louisville, and I think it was like 14 to 7 at halftime. And I was freaking out, going, oh shit, this isn't going to hit. And apparently, in the second half, they all got shit together because, wow, did they hit that over. Uh, I mean, they hit it by a long shot. Scoring so I, explosion. I, I hit mine. Yeah, I, I'm the opposite of Derek, as I took the over in the Clemson Citadel game, and it was 49 to nothing at halftime. And, and I think this thing is locked up. It, take it to the bank. I need eight points in the second half. I mean, how does that not happen? Well, it happens by both teams scoring a whopping zero. I had to check that because I, 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 didn't, I didn't see it play out. And I'm like, wait, did my, did my stuff not refresh? Like, how, how, what happened in the second half? Apparently nothing happened in the second half. They, did they call off the game? I, I don't even know. Did they just say, hey, we're mercy ruling this contest? Like, it is absurd. So, so check it out. So live betting that game, right? Uh, Clemson and Citadel. The, at halftime, the live betting was 72. Clemson by yeah. 72. And it's a lock. It's a lock at that point. I mean, if if you had a t- if you could do reverse bet on that or bet against like the probability of the original bet not hitting, I probably would have got like I don't know your mortgage twelve to one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could have put my down payment on my house down on the odds of that over not hitting at halftime. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I I again, I didn't watch it. 
Anyone who watches, let me know if I'm wrong. But I'm convinced they mercy ruled it and they just called it off. Well, you know, that is one of the things that I do like about Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I, I think he's a stand-up dude. And uh, I I don't think he tries to run it up on people. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, once he was up 49 nothing, I wouldn't have thought that they would have, like, scored nothing. Cause um, and, or the Citadel, you would think the Citadel would have got like a garbage touchdown yeah, I, or something. I saw the Cit- I bet I bet against or bet the Citadel the week before that didn't work out for me either. They're they're not a very good team. I thought I thought they would be better, but so what you're telling me is I won both the Pick'em and the Best Bet this week. Well, week one you also picked you picked Army this week. Yeah, but didn't and I win West like Virginia. the last three years on the Pick'em? Let's get through this year, Derek. Come on, man. Let's do let's do best bets this week. All right. Best bets this So week. here's my best bet. I already alluded to it. Uh, Miami, 11.5 over FSU. Not impressed with uh, FSU at all against Georgia Tech. Mike Norvell, he's out. Miami, they're doing all the right things with their offense. Uh, you know, they got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, they're, they're looking solid. It's at Miami, which doesn't mean much in the COVID era. But uh, I, I love Miami to cover 11.5 in this game. So, all right, guys, we have reached. I don't think any of the rest of us gave our best bets yet. Really? We talked yeah, about really. our last week's best bets, but I don't think we gave her this week's best bets. Yeah, oh, let's do our best bets. Shoot, man. Bets, bets. <laughs> man, let's get late. I'm like dozing off in my recliner here. Derek, what is your best bet? <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm calling for the Army upset, so I'm sticking with that for the best bet. They're getting 14 points. I'm loving Army. Army plus 14 is to my absolute lock. Okay. Tyler? I like both your picks. I like Derek yours a little bit more, but I'm going to go. My best bet is not a game we picked. I'm going to go SMU uh, versus Stephen F. Austin. It's 34 and a half, which is a lot of points to swallow, but I like SMU to cover it. Um. I mean, uh, SMU has been playing well. They got a really good quarterback, probably the best in the AAC. Um, Stephen F. Austin just lost the last time they played to uh, University University of Texas San Antonio. I mean, they're 0-2. They're just garbage. I like SMU. I think they're uh, among the better teams in that conference. They might be the second-best team in that conference. I like them to win this weekend. Big. All right, cool. All right, so we'll get that written down. Hopefully we go 3-0 and next week. Uh, but now it is time for Last Call, and Last Call goes to you, Derek. All right, well, I'm going to go with uh, Deion Sanders getting hired at Jackson State. Uh, there's rumors that he hired uh, Warren Sapp and uh, Terrell Owens as, as assistant coaches. I think it's been a little bit debunked. I don't know if they're actually getting hired. Uh but it, it's exciting to see. I, I want to see Deion Sanders do something in coaching. I, I, I that guy was one of the best athletes I ever watched in my whole li- entire lifetime. And so I, I'd like to see him be able to pass some knowledge on to some younger kids, I guess. Tyler? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Deion Sanders, one of the best athletes. Everything Derek says is true. And I think it's just kind of fascinating. A school like Jackson State. Um, I think at one point people wanted him to go to FSU, go back yeah. there. I, I, and I, I'm glad that didn't happen because I think that would there. A school like Jackson State's kind of a fun story uh, to see him there. I mean, so I, I'm all for this. 
and I think it's going to be cool seeing prime time in college football. Yeah, except they won't show any of those games on TV. But yeah, I was, I was going to go with where you were going, uh, Tyler. Is uh, you know he was kind of championing for that FSU gig right there, and I didn't think that he was going to be cut out for that. So we'll see what he can do at Jackson State, and maybe in time. I, th- I think he needs to start small and get engaged. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, you, 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 I, 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 that would have been a Bo Pliny move to just throw him into an FSU type. Yeah, of got to got to cut your teeth a little bit to see if you can handle the rigors of the job. You know. Tommy Frazier at Doan, you know, that didn't work out too well. Uh, last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes out to the NFL injury weekend. I mean, you saw two star running backs, Christian McCaffrey, go out with an ankle sprain. He's going to be out for multiple weeks. And even more tragic, uh, Saquon Barkley uh, towards ACL. And, God, I feel bad for him. I mean, as dynamic of a college running back as I've seen, not only was he doomed by going to the Giants, which is probably among the worst NFL teams right now. He has Daniel Jones as a quarterback, but now he tore his ACL. Uh, felt terrible for him. Um, you know, if you ever wanted a reason why college athletes might need to make a little bit of money, he might be a reason because his NFL career might end up being uh, really, really tragic. Well, I'm just happy that I didn't have those guys on my fantasy football team, so I am saved right there. Derek. Uh, and Nick Bosa, who won Defensive Player of the Year and Rookie of the Year last year. Uh, and he tore his ACL as well. Uh, I, you hate to see any player get hurt like that. It, that sucks. So, I, 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 hope they, I hope they both recover. I hope all three of them recover and get back to playing football really fast, especially Chris McCaffrey because he's one of the funner guys to watch in football. Yeah, he's definitely exciting. Uh, my last call goes out to Barrett Pickering. You know, last we knew about Barrett Pickering, he was going to retire. He was retiring from football back in the spring. But now, today, we hear that he's entering the transfer portal. So I guess he's going to make a comeback. Just don't call it a comeback. I don't know where he's headed, but it is kind of interesting that he's not going to stick around at Nebraska because we don't really have a named kicker quite yet. So I thought that was quite interesting. Good luck to Barrett Pickering. Uh, Derek, thoughts? Good riddance. He wasn't very good here anyway. Jeez. Tyler? That's just mean. I, I, I like Barrett Pickering. Best of luck to him. I hope he ends up the same place that Caleb Lightborn ended up. At least we won't ever have to hear any of, any of those sayings or see the tweets with Barrett Pickering with the kickering. I hated those. Oh, yeah. I, I just that brought up your al- favorite. That was almost your- as bad as the YOLO bomb. YOLO bomb, almost. Yeah. Um, um, I just brought up Justin's favorite all-time Husker, and he didn't even acknowledge Caleb Lightborn being brought up. I blocked him out. I forgot he played for did, Nebraska. Did he play for Nebraska? I forgot all about uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Negative two-yard punt. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't blocked. The- That's impressive. That is imp- I bet you this. If you ask the best punter in the history of the NFL to attempt that, they could not do that. He knocked. So there. He knocked the popcorn out of the lady's hands in the eighth row of that game. I mean, she's sitting there. Every, every, every time I think of that kick, I think of uh, <laughs> oh Adam Sandler, the the prison football movie, the remake. Oh, the longest yard. The longest yard. The longest yard. yard. There you go. And he tells that uh, the uh, the Mexican guy go out there and kick the onside kick. He's like, just kick it as far as you can. <laughs> 
and he, and he kicks it like 10 yards, and they recover. Do you guys remember? That's what I think of every time I think of uh, Caleb Lightborn. Do you guys remember when uh, somebody put out that video of Caleb Lightborn when he tripped over that onside kick, oh, and God. it was the sniper was like, oh, shit, I got shot by a sniper, or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> And it went around social media forever. And it was the funniest thing. I watched that about 64 times. And <laughs> the only thing that went around more than that was Ben Cotton falling on his ass, trying, trying not to get a false start. And it wasn't anywhere. That still, that still, still goes around. It, it does, but it, it's nowhere near as funny as Caleb Lightborn with that audio. Like, oh, shit, <laughs> I got shot by a sniper. But God dang, that was funny. Anyway, great show, guys. It's time to get out of here. Uh, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. Be safe out there. And as always, go Big Red. Get over